Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with your host, Sean Bastow, joined by Johnston Brown. And this episode is the preview for Vasily Lomachenko versus Luke Campbell this weekend at the O2 Arena on a stacked bill. But before we get into the episode, as always, fight fans, please go and check us out on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook as well. If you've not already subscribed to the podcast, please go and do so by checking us out on Apple Podcasts, on Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, Spotify. You can find the episodes on each Sleep Boxing Repeats YouTube channel as well. So, this is it. This is your preview for Vasily Lomachenko versus Luke Campbell. The storm is 500 miles wide. Lomachenko is the kind of fighter that comes all along once in a generation. Luke Campbell, the greatest ever amateur this country has produced, and he takes on the biggest test in boxing. 
everything that's happened so far is turning me into the man I am today. I love a challenge. I want to compete at the highest level. We all know how good Lemachenko is, but I just feel like I'm going there and beat him. I know I'm going to get the win. This is it then, Johnston. Big fight this weekend, really kicking off the new season of boxing. And what a way to do it as Vasily Lomachenko comes to London to defend his titles against number one challenger, Luke Campbell. What a great fight to be having to start the season. Really excited to be talking about this fight. And as always, we're going to be covering off this episode in the big fight preview format so we will talk about their careers as of recent times we will talk about keys to victory breakdowns and predictions for this fight but Johnston it's a great way to kick off the new season of boxing yeah it really is I mean Lemonchenko coming over over on the shores is, is, is big news um, he, for me he's the pants panking um, I have him ahead of Crawford um, and um, you know if I could I would have been there to be honest I, I'm gutted I can't be there but um, what a cracking fight so anyway, Sort of listeners that are going lucky bastards basically <laughs> it's a great fight to, to be able to go over and see Lomachenko live um, and it's a good card as well so yeah again really looking forward to this fight I really am well, we will cover off the rest of the card later on in the episode, of course, because there is a few significant names and a couple of other decent fights on there to be discussing in the episode as well. But let's start with the main event then. This is for the vacant WBC lightweight title, the WBA lightweight title and the WBO lightweight title. All three are on the line here and it's a massive ask for Luke Campbell, an ask that people don't think is going to be reasonable for him given the status of Vasily Lomachenko. But let's talk a little bit about Luke Campbell then and his career. Luke Campbell, obviously the most decorated British amateur we've ever had, and we know that, and it's always been spoke about, and Eddie Hearn sells the shit out of it, of course, as always. But he's right, he's selling it, because it's true, he is the most decorated amateur we've ever had. So it's good to be able to say we've got an Olympic champion versus uh, Olympic champion, one of the best amateurs in the world, in Vasily Lomachenko, who seemingly transitioned into the professional game with ease, the way he's been picking up titles as he has, the way he's been starting to move up through the weights as he has. Has. But for Luke Campbell, it's not all been swings and roundabouts for him throughout his career, as we know. Luke Campbell's career obviously started off in 2013. He's looked brilliant uh, in his first two years as a professional fighter. You know, he was stopping the majority of the opponents he was going in with the ring with. And then he moved up in 2015 and took on Tommy Coyle, getting a great victory over Tommy Coyle in the Battle of Hull. Fantastic fight. Great to see Campbell at his very best. But it was in his very next fight against Ivan Mende where he lost via a split decision after getting dropped earlier on in the fight, which I felt like was the part where people have, have criticised Campbell for the most because of that particular fight and the way he sort of seemingly crumbled under the pressure of a guy who was 32-4-1 at the time he fought him. So people still allude back to that fight and don't always look at the fact that this guy Campbell is one of the best fighters we've got and he's also been in there with another great fighter who Lomachenko has shared the ring with in Jorge Linares. But Luke Campbell's career to date then, let's go back and look at that Ivan Mendy fight. Remembering that fight, Johnston, what do you think was significant about that night for Luke Campbell? Uh, well, I was actually in attendance that night. Um, that was on the uh, undercard of, uh, I think I believe it was Anthony Joshua and Dillian White. Um, yeah, that, I, I remember that 
with you that night really well. And, then, and obviously Luke Campbell, um, a young prospect coming through against Ivan Mendy, who was awkward. Um, he's, he's, he's a bit rough and ready, wasn't he? And, and sort of, he, he, although Campbell did have these checks, obviously Tommy Cole, as you mentioned, was, was a big, big win for him. Um, both from Hull um, and yeah so Ivan Mendy was just it was just too it was awkward really and, and Campbell just didn't look great and I think the knockdown on the fifth sort of messed with his head a little bit he sort of took him in a couple of rounds to sort of find his feet and his range again but by that point it was probably it was a bit too far behind or it was quite even I had obviously Mendy in front uh, and yeah, he just he just sort of faded a bit for me. He didn't do enough, Luke Campbell. But you know, it's a good learning fight for him. Um, and um, so he obviously went down his first loss. But you know, it was a split decision in the end. I, I think most people in the crowd and and I watched at the time after that Mendy had won the fight. And it's unfortunate because it was a good night for him to shine, and it just didn't quite happen for him. No, it didn't quite happen for him on that now. But he did bounce back, of course, and he beat Gary Sykes in emphatic fashion. Then he fought former world title challenger Arginius Mendes, beat Arginius Mendes, and then moved on and beat an aged Derry Matthews, stopped Derry Matthews, and then also went on to beat Harry Lopez, former Anthony Crawler opponent Darlis Perez, and then got his first shot at a world title two years ago in September of 2017 against Jorge Linares. And this was really where people started to see the class of Luke Campbell, the world-level opponents that he needed to share the ring with. And so he'd already been in with either former world title challengers or world champions previously, and yet he was going in against the current world champion who was the WBA champ and WBC diamond champ at the time in Linares. And he put on an absolute brave brave showing and a fantastic effort in my opinion and I felt he was in some cases a little bit unlucky I'm not saying that he got robbed in this fight with Linares I just think on another night he may have been given that decision against Linares and also it was you know only right to point out that before the Linares fight was the the passing of his father as well I can't remember if it was a couple of weeks before the fight that this happened and you know, his father had already said to him he would have wanted him to go on no matter what happened. And the way he went in there and performed, given the bereavement he'd just suffered, was, was unbelievable. And I think that's where everybody's credit started to go pouring on top of Campbell because of how he performed in that fight. Not only the way he was able to bounce back from a sort of early... It wasn't great in the first couple of rounds for him. Obviously, Linares sort of seemed to get the better on him, get the jump on him a little bit. But then, as the fight went on, he started to completely outbox Linares, a guy who you know, had previously been in the ring with guys like Lomachenko, a guy that had, had been in the ring with Crawler twice. He'd been in the ring with Kevin Mitchell. We'd seen him fight some of the best fighters you know, that there is out there. And yet... Luke Campbell was able to go in there essentially in the, the the sort of second half of the fight and, and and outbox him and like I say unlucky to you know to lose that one on another night he might have got it on another card on another night but it wasn't to be it was a good fight for him and this is where uh, for me I wanted to see this test I wanted to see him go in against someone like Linares to, to know whether or not he was everything that people were saying about him. Was he this world-level fighter? Well, he certainly proved it against Linares. Yeah, it was a good benchmark fight, wasn't it, for him, for, him to, for us to really work out how far he's come. And, you know, with, with the Mendy loss, it, you know, that was, you know, it's just one defeat at the end of the day, but, he, you know, he, he was able to learn a lot from that fight, and I think he did. And even from the knockdown, it was a bit of a flash knockdown in the second, he weren't sort of really hurt from Linares but as you say it was Linares who took the first part of that fight um, and uh, Campbell was able to obviously 
tap into to what he learned against Mendy. And, and he'd done pretty well towards the end of the fight and was probably a bit unfortunate to lose. Um, I think Lara is, again, I think he did win it. I think he just edged it from, from the first part of that fight. Um, and uh, but, but again, Campbell, he, he produced the goods at times against world-class opposition. So, you know, once again, that'll be a fight that he will look at to hopefully learn from um, and sort of try and change those mistakes that he made um, going into, the, obviously, this big one. He certainly did, and obviously going into the rematch with Ivan Mendy, you know, he made the changes from the first fight with Mendy, and beating by a unanimous decision, it was another tough night for him, but it wasn't as tough as the first night, of course, because he went in there and outboxed Mendy and, and shown people what he'd learn, and that's, again, for me personally, it was where I started to really believe that, you know, Luke Campbell is this fighter that can achieve something at this level, but he's bumped into a guy now who's seemingly the best fighter on the planet in Vasily Lomachenko, who we will speak about now. So Vasily Lomachenko, I'm not going to touch overly on his career because we have covered big fights of his before in the past. So most people know about his career because it's been well documented over the past six years, of course. So let's look at the last couple of fights, really. I think from the Linares fight, which was a cracking fight, by the way. Obviously, the Linares fight in May of 2018 was the first time we'd seen him get put on the seat of his pants, but he went on to stop Linares later on in the fight in what was a brilliant fight of the year contender, if not the best fight of 2018. And then he come back later on in 2018 and comprehensively outboxed Jose Pedraza and via a unanimous decision to obviously then pick up the WBO version of the lightweight title that Pedraza held at the time. So, you know, there's all this talk of then moving him on to fight Richard Comey to get the IBF version of the lightweight title. Obviously, Comey got injured, so that wasn't going to happen. So who else was he then going to fight? Well, he had a mandatory, and it was Manchester's own Anthony Crawler, and the preview for the Crawler fight was a difficult one to do, given that I know Anthony quite well. But I knew deep down that this was going to be a very, very difficult night for him. Uh, however, I honestly didn't think he, he would get dispatched in emphatic fashion the way he did. And Lomachenko completely annihilated Crawler in that fight. And that just goes to show, in boxing, there are certain levels of fighters. And it's a cliche saying, but it's a very true saying. Anthony Crawler was just at the world level. You know, he'd won a world title previously in the division. And he was just at that level. But this is a guy who's elite. He is an elite level fighter. He's classed as, in some people's minds, one of the best fighters, if not the best fighter on the planet. So Crawler didn't really have a lot he could throw in there against Lomachenko with all due respect. It was always going to be a difficult night for him, no matter which way you looked at it. And I think if you put two Anthony Crawlers in there against one Lomachenko, we still would have seen the same result because Lomachenko is just an elite level fighter. So he comes into this fight with Luke Campbell now fighting for the vacant version of the WBC lightweight title whilst defending the WBA and WBO titles as well. So for me, this is an absolutely fantastic fight. And from Lomachenko's perspective, if he was to win this fight against Campbell come Saturday night, he wins the WBC title. The only title that's missing from the collection to be undisputed 
is the IBF, which I'm pretty sure Bob Arum and Top Rank are taking him in that direction to go down that route to fight for the IBF later on down the line, potentially later on this year. And I think that's probably what they've got in their mind. A win against Campbell on Saturday and then maybe Richie Comey later on this year, maybe December time. So Lomachenko, we we know what he's like. We know what he's achieved. It's going to be a very tough night for Luke Campbell. And I really do feel for, for, for him, to be honest. But Lomachenko is just one of a kind. He really is. He really is. He, he, he's just unbelievable to watch. His reflexes, his, uh, his movement, his head movement, his punch selection. He's got it all. He really is. He's just a joy to watch. Um, and that's, that's the reason why many many of us feel that he is the top pound for pan king at the moment. Um, I mean, people will mention Crawford, but Crawford's probably the closest there is out there that could potentially sort of challenge him because, you know, he has his great nights as well. But for me, Lamachenko is just... It's just wonderful to watch. I mean, his amateur career, obviously, we're not going to go too much into it, but his amateur career was ridiculous. Like, I think the one fight he did lose, he ended up beating the guy three times. Um, he, he was just unreal. Um, and obviously, to then take it into the pro game, which people always talk about, the difference between amateur and the pros. And although it took him, what, a couple of fights to find his feet, um, he, he's just been unstoppable since. And, you know, you look at the names on his record that he's literally made quit like your Nicholas Waters and uh, Rigandale. I mean, two guys there that were considered to be pound for pound best at those times when he fought them. So, and, and he put to the sword like they were just average fighters. Um, so when, when you do see people like obviously Andy Carolla who was difficult to watch um, lose the way he did and then you, you sort of you see Luke Campbell's now in the horizon you just it's difficult to, to find and sort of figure out a way that, that Campbell can actually win this fight. But um, obviously we're going for that in a minute, but but Lomachenko is just he's just outstanding. Um, I suppose the one weak fight, I suppose in recent times, is the Pedraza fight. If you're going to call it, sort of, there, there were niggling parts of that fight that, that make you think maybe there there there's moments where you can expose Lomachenko. Saying that, I don't think so. I think he won that fight pretty convincingly. It was a bit of an off night, but yet even still dominated Pedraza. So no, if he has an off night. Maybe Campbell can exploit those dinks in his armour um, and and produce one of the biggest shots in British boxing history. Yeah, I think people will label it that. I mean, I don't know what people's opinions are on this particular fight in terms of if Luke Campbell wins, will it be one of the biggest upsets? But I think for a lot of people, it probably would be because Lomachenko has been unstoppable. As you say, he's been on this run now for the past four or five years where he's, he has been unstoppable and he's he's making people stop it. You know, he's having the corners pulling the fighters out because essentially they just, they just he's just beating them into submission. That's what he's doing with a lot of these fighters. If he's not stopping them, he's bossing him over 12 rounds are making them look silly or he's, he's retiring them in the corners because they just can't take any more so for me it's a very very tough ask and obviously we'll be coming on to that in a moment in terms of keys to victory and how this can be broken down for each fighter and you you said it there yourself Johnston you said it's going to be hard for Luke Campbell to find a way to win this and that kind of sums it up nicely really about how you know if any key to victory that's the first thing that comes to mind is it's going to be difficult for him to win it no matter which way you talk about how he can go down there and, and try to win the fight I think Lomachenko essentially will, will have an answer for, for a lot of the things but let's not completely over overrule what Luke Campbell is all about because obviously you know as I said at the top of the show he's one of the 
you know, he is the most decorated amateur that Britain has got, and he was—he's, you know, he's been Olympic gold medalist for a reason. Uh, great amateur. He's got that pedigree. Can he go in there against Lomachenko and beat him? Well, he's got various things he needs to do to be able to do that. He's got the skill, he's got the ability, he's got the height, he's got the physical advantages. But we, you know, we have seen Lomachenko be able to work against people that are bigger. He's, he probably finds it a little bit easier to work against people that are bigger, of course. But for for Luke Campbell, what he has to do for me, what he needs to do is he needs to use his physical advantages in this fight. He needs to not let Lomachenko get too close and get on the inside too quickly because that's where Lomachenko is at his day most dangerous because he gets in and throws these wicked combinations and variety of punches in and then gets out really quick before you even know he's been there and that's the beauty of him as a fighter but for Luke Campbell if he's, he's got the speed which we know he's got the speed he's got the advantages does he keep him at long range for this fight does he keep him does he try to outbox him that's the question you've got to ask ourselves do you think Luke Campbell needs to outbox Lomachenko to beat him or do you think he needs to take a different approach to this fight. I don't think anyone outboxes Lomachenko. I really don't. I think he he's just too good for that. I think the only way Luke could possibly win this fight is by maybe sort of being in quick himself, throwing sort of three, four combinations and getting straight back out again um, and being on his toes. Um, people may see it as run and hit, but you know I think that's probably the only way he's gonna gonna have any opportunity. Um, Obviously, there is going to be a size difference, maybe. With that size difference, he may be able to catch Linares. Uh, Linares, what's all that? Maybe able to catch Lamanchenko, like what Linares did to Lamanchenko when he caught him in their fight. Um, didn't hurt him too much. He managed to, to adjust and figure out a way of winning the fight. But it was interesting for that moment just to see Lamanchenko down. And I think Campbell needs to tap into that. Um, Linares is probably a harder puncher than Campbell but you know Campbell's been doing his strength and conditioning I'm sure he'll be looking at trying to sort of add a bit of power in this fight um, obviously it may slow him down but I still think he probably does have the speed I just the thing is, is, is Lamachenko's just so elusive it's so difficult to hit him even when you're in front of him um, in actual fact I actually think Lamachenko's comfortable when fighters are in front of him and when they are bigger like you just clearly mentioned it's just it's just a bigger space for him to hit and, and how many shots he can throw he can go to the head he can go to the body and he can move out quickly he's got that great head movement and 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 just great reflexes so it's just it's so elusive but yet he can hit you sort of three or four times like you say before you, you even know it and he's back out again so Campbell somehow needs to try and have a situation where he's on top and he can sort of pop off the jab and land and, and be out of range and then sort of come in maybe trying to mix it up to the head and body himself. Um, obviously, Lamachenko's not got a big knockout ratio, so whether he could stand there and get close enough to him, where um, whether, and maybe he might be able to take the shots that Lamachenko's sort of hitting him with. But again, the, the, trick, the difficult part of it is hitting him. He's just so difficult to hit, and, and now full on, because um, he's just, his, his head movement and his, just, his movement in general, his footwork is outstanding. I mean, I, I watched the Linares fight, and after the knockdown, I was just watching his feet and the way he was able to it, just move around the ring. It was just outstanding to watch. It really was. Um, and, and, and I just can't see, unless there is a slight decline, maybe, possibly. Um, has he had enough fights? He had the fights in the amateurs, but has he had enough pro fights to, to start declining quickly? I can't say. I just, it's difficult. I, I think Luke Campbell needs to just maybe adjust it, maybe work on the outside and then work a little bit on the inside and keep him guessing. 
maybe that's the only thing I can think of, really. It's just too difficult to, to figure it out. Yeah, I think he's got to come up with something that they're not expecting. I think if, obviously, Shane McGuigan, you know, very young trainer, he's, he's, he's a lot more experienced than, obviously, the last couple of years with some of the fighters he's got and some of the fighters he's had. But has he got the experience in the corner to be able to do something different against a guy who's coming in there from all sorts of angles, bringing all sorts of variety of punches that maybe some of them have never even seen before, which is crazy to even think or speak about, but it's true. Lomachenko, of course, you've rightly pointed it out, is a guy that gets in and gets out so quick you don't even know he's been there and hit you. And, you know, that that's the, the crazy part about it. But, that being said, obviously Campbell is a very fast fighter himself. So, he can be very elusive, very, very lateral. His lateral movement is, is very, very good. And I think that's going to be a big part and a big factor on the night for these two fighters. It's going to be footwork and the, the the variety of punches that are being thrown in the fight, I think, are going to be significant because if you're just going in there with your standard one-two combination, it's not going to work. If, you, if you're mixing it up to the body and you're mixing it up to the head and then you're working a different variety of punches throughout the course of the fight, keeping them guessing, trying to draw the lead out of them by fainting, using that head movement, of course... It's going to be like a chess match, and that's how I see this fight going as we as we sort of move into predictions in a few moments. It's going to be very much like that, and I think for people who, who think that maybe this fight is going to be an overly exciting fight, as in a tear-up, you ain't going to get that. that. That's one thing I think I'm confident in saying, is that you ain't going to get a bit of a tear-up here, unless... They, write, they, they, they get the script and they completely rip it up and Luke Campbell comes out there to try to blow him out. I just don't see that happening, of course, because that's not Luke Campbell's style. They've never tried that. Why would they try it now? But that's the only other way I could see it being an exciting fight. For boxing purists, we're going to get a brilliant fight because we're going to get two guys, uh, you know, the highest level of ability being able to to go in there and, and try all these different things and, and throw these different variety of punches from different angles using the footwork, using the lateral movement. Lomachenko, you know, when I say keys to victory for Lomachenko, it's just a case of keep doing what you're doing, mate, because it's obviously working. It's working against any style of fighter. It doesn't matter if you've got a guy who comes in there to come at you and pressurise you or a guy who can come in there and can box. He seems to be able to get in and get out so quick and very elusive that no matter who you are, you just don't seem to be able to get in there and actually land much on him apart from, obviously, Linares, who was the one that put him on the seat of his pants when he walked into a Linares. I think it was a left or I can't remember if it was a left or a right hand, but he walked into that that shot of Linares' and he put him on the seat of his pants, a flash knockdown, as you say, but he adapted to that straight away, learnt from it immediately and went on to stop Linares. So... In terms of the predictions for the fight, I think moving into to that segment now, uh, it's, it's really difficult to be able to say Luke Campbell has got a chance of, of winning this fight. I think anybody has got a chance of winning a fight, of course, I do believe that. However, in this instance, I, I do think that Lamachenko is so good that I think he's going to box his way to a unanimous decision by going in there and, and just trying to make Luke Campbell look a little bit silly by missing shots, by getting in and getting out so quick. I can see the first three, four rounds being tentative, being a bit of a chess match, both trying to work each other out, and I can see it from there forward being a case of Lomachenko will, will systematically start to break down 
the style of Campbell and and start to land these punishing combinations. And as the fight goes on, you you start to see a little bit more raggedness from Luke Campbell. Maybe you'll start to see him try to go in for a tear up because that maybe will be the only way they can get through and land something on Lomachenko. But ultimately. I see this going down as, as Lomachenko winning uh, via a unanimous decision. I do see it going 12 rounds with this one. I do see it being uh, a bit of a boxing masterclass and one for the boxing purists. So that's my pick for this fight. I think Lomachenko via a unanimous decision. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to, to to disagree with you, Sean. Um, I think uh, Luke Campbell is going to have to just switch it up a bit maybe I think I can see the fight being quite tentative as you said in those opening rounds and Lomachenko's going to try and figure out Luke Campbell um, and that's where we need to sort of in those first two rounds if he's doing so if he is fighting on the outside and he's trying to beat him speed and get back out again then sort of around sort of three and four when Lomachenko's figured out what he's doing switching it going in close closing the distance and just trying to have a tear out with him see how that goes just keep him guessing you know don't allow him to figure out what Luke Campbell's going to do and know exactly what he's going to do every single round if he's one dimensional Lomachenko as you say will just systematically break him down to the point where he will leave him be to the point where he's just not he's just not hitting him um, and then it could be the same situation as we've already seen with with guys like Rigondeaux, for instance, where they just, he just, do you know what? I can't, I've had enough. Like, he just beats him to, to retirement. Now, I don't think Luke Campbell's that that way inclined. I don't think he's going to sort of, he would rather go out on his shield, basically, like, like Corona did, uh, Andy Crawler. Um So, I, I just can't see Lamachenko losing this fight. I think, um, I think Campbell will be clever. I think he will try to adjust and he will give it a bloody good go. But um, I just think Lomachenko's skills eventually will wear Luke down um, and to the point where I just... I don't think... He may even put him down. I don't think he's going to knock him out. I don't think he's going to be a stoppage. I think it will either be someone pulling him out of his corner or it will just be a straight-up 12-round new day. And I think that's probably where I'm heading because I don't think I don't think he's gonna get beat up enough where his corner's gonna pull him out. Um I mean you never know. <laughs> Who knows? Lamachenko is that good, he probably could do that, but I think a twelve twelve round clear really, uh, apart apart from the first little couple of rounds where they, they you could go Campbell or it could be even. But other than that I think Lamachenko from the back. Round four will be we, we just put his foot down um and he will do the business and eventually walk away with a comfortable victory. But let's just take a little pause for one moment to give a shout out to the sponsors for BTR Boxing Podcast. It's Bear Attack Boxing, providing high quality boxing gloves, boxing equipment to your suitable needs. You can find them at www.bearattackboxing.co.uk and all over social media. You've got the Fight Pro One gloves, the Pluto gloves, the new Bear Attack Boxing t-shirt range, the inner gloves, the high wraps some great boxing products on there so go and check them out and also we've got a little present for you because you're a loyal listener to btr boxing podcast we've got an exclusive discount code for you now it's a 10 percent discount and all you've got to do is when you're at the checkout and you've got them boxing gloves and that t-shirt in there that you want to buy go onto the promo code and enter btr10 for 10 percent off 
And 10% is not something to be scoffed at in this day and age. It can definitely get you a few quid off them high quality products that Bear Attack Boxing are selling. So, as a loyal listener to BTR Boxing Podcast, when you buy or purchase something through Bear Attack Boxing's website, in the promo code, enter BTR10 and you will get an exclusive 10% discount off your basket. So please go and take advantage of it. Follow them on social media, Bear Attack Boxing, and it's bearattackboxing.co.uk. Well, that's our take on this big fight this weekend. But of course, as we said at the top of the show, it is a big card. Some really good fighters on it, some really good matchups on this card, and I'm really looking forward to it. We've moaned a lot about this year's lack of matchroom quality and this is actually a quality card and I will give them props because it's about time. This is probably, for me, the second or third time this year that we've actually got a pretty decent card on paper which could literally translate into a great card in the ring as well. And other fights on the card that I am looking forward to, of course, and you, Huey Fury, Alexander Povetkin. So Fury's taking that step up to fight Povetkin, which is a very good fighter for him. And I'm happy that he's taking a fight against a guy like Povetkin. Someone who's still, even at his age, is still at that level where you can say he is a danger and he is a guy that can potentially upset the apple cart against younger fighters like Huey Fury. For Huey Fury, obviously he's been in there with Joseph Parker, lost a majority decision, and then went in, beat Sam Sexton for the British title, come back, fought Kubrat Pulev, had an awful cut on his eye, lost that for a unanimous decision, and then has had two seemingly meaning meaningless fights for me against Chris Norad in May this year, undefeated Canadian who'd fought nobody, and then a very old Samuel Peter who I don't know why he's still knocking around, but he is. And then wins for me. I don't find them significant for him. I don't find them uh, the, the type of fights he needed to jump up a level again and go back to world level to fight a Povetkin. People may argue differently. I struggle to see how many people will argue differently on that one. But when you're going in get with guys like Parker, Pulev, and then you want a, a fight with someone like Povetkin, to drop back down to fight guys like Norad and Peter is not really the type of apprenticeship I would say you would need for this type of a fight. However, that not, not necessarily to say that this isn't the right thing to do for them. They may feel, Peter Fury may feel that this is the right way to get him conditioned again to go in against a guy like Povetkin. Sam Peter, yeah, similar to, to sort of Povetkin, you know, in terms of his style. But this was, you know, Sam Peter of sort of 15 years ago, not the Sam Peter as we know now, who's well past his best. So the Povetkin fight for me is a big, big fight for him, because if he wins the fight against Povetkin, that puts his name right back up there in the mix, doesn't it, with all the other fighters that are vying for a world title shot at one of the world titles. A win against Povetkin gives Huey Fury the opportunity to then push on to maybe fight for a world title in the future. So he's had the one opportunity for the WBO title. He wants a second opportunity. To do that, he's got to get through Povetkin and got to get through Povetkin handily as well. If he struggles against Povetkin on Saturday night, people are just going to revert back to type and say that Huey Fury is the shitter version of Tyson Fury. He isn't the same. Even though they've got the same name from the same family, they will slag him off to high heavens. But I've got to be honest and break it down and say that I think Huey Fury is a really good fighter. I don't see him being a world beater. I don't see him being a world champion. That's just my opinion on the matter. But I do see him having another shot at world title and 
proving his worth at that world class level. That's what I see for Huey Fury. I don't know what you see for Huey Fury, but that is, that for me is is where Huey Fury is at and where I think he can potentially go to. But this fight with Povetkin, then thoughts on that, Johnston? Good fight for him or bad fight? I think it's a good fight. Um, I'm pleased that I think he's taken it. Obviously, signed with Matchroom. Now he's uh, he gets himself a big, big fight pretty quickly. Um, you know, the, the Norred fight and the Peter fight. I mean, the only thing you can think of with the fact that it was literally just rounds in the bank. Um, saying that, he only he got nine rounds out of them. Probably would have been better getting a better sparring partner and doing a few rounds with that with them. So type probably would have learned a bit more. To be fair, but I do I do like Fury Fury. I, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm only twenty four. Um, as you said, the two two eleven. And Parker, um, yeah, he was he was unlucky against Parker. Uh, I think he lost the fight, and then with, with Pulev was a bad cut. But you know, he would have learned a lot from both of them fights. Um, Povetkin coming to the end of his career. Um, I mean, his last fight was Anthony Joshua, when Joshua sort of knocked him out. So, you know, he's been inactive. Although he he does tend to go being inactive a bit like Pulev, and then fights sort of once a year. Um, so Huey Fury, I feel fight for him. I think he could win the fight. I think he's got to be careful because if he does get clipped, I think he he may be susceptible to, to not only going down, but he, he could actually be stopped. All, all, all saying that, he hasn't been stopped in those other two fights, but I do think Povetkin is a better fighter than Pulev. I'm not so, maybe not so much Parker, but quite similar in terms of in, in the level there. But I think Parker could potentially, you know, he will eventually he will overtake uh, Povetkin because Povetkin's going to the end of his career. But um, I, I think it, it does put Huey Fury in a great position if he wins the fight. He's got Peter Fury in his corner, you know, he knows his stuff. He's a good trainer, um, and I, and I think they can quite easily get a game plan together where they could win this fight uh, over the distance um, and quite comfortably. I think there might be hairy moments in the fight for him, but I do think Fury has enough ability about him to get the win against Alexander Povetkin. But it's going to be an interesting fight. It will be, and it's nice to see him in another big fight again. And, Let's hope he does get the win. And then it is a matter of where he goes next, whether he could get that title shot. I believe he possibly can, whether he could actually win a title. I don't think so. Uh, but again, he is only 24. He's still young. He feels like he's been around forever. But he's 24. I mean, he's, probably, he's still got another four years ahead, um, if not a bit longer. So, And he's still... Uh, I think this could be a good fight for him, good learning curve again. Be a good name on his record. And I believe he's thinking he can win this final point. Yeah, it'd be an interesting win for him, of course, because, like I say, it changes the, the the landscape of the sort of top ten heavyweights in the world. Because then he starts to pu- push himself in there uh, as being one of them by beating a Povetkin, regardless of the fact that Povetkin's been out of the ring for a certain period of time. He's still regarded as one of the best heavyweights in the world, strangely enough. So let's move on to another fight. Then Charlie Edwards defending his WBC flyweight title against Julio Cesar Menates, Menates, Martinez Aguilar, who was the upsetter of Andrew Selby earlier on this year. So Andrew Selby went to Mexico and got stopped by Aguilar and that was a bit of a shame because we wanted to see Selby Edwards, that would have been a great future fight and still can be a great future fight but his conqueror Aguilar is the one that comes over to London to face Charlie Edwards for the defence of his WBC flyweight title. Charlie Edwards is a fighter who I've really admired over the past 18 months. I've really seen him rise to prominence. I remember when he lost his first title challenge for the IBF flyweight title against John Casemiro. And when he lost that, it was like, it was a bit too soon for him. That's what a lot of people were saying. Uh, It was a big risk taking that shot at that stage. 
And the way he's come back from that and gone on to become the WBC champion and then also defend that WBC title against Angel Moreno earlier on this year has, has shown us that he has actually learned a lot from that defeat by going in there and coming back and fighting guys that are, are brilliant fighters. He's had some great fights on his on his resume over the past three years since the loss to Casimiro, and I think that's what's put him in good stead to go on to become world champion and then also defend it. But he's going in against Aguilar there, who, as we've seen in the Andrew Selby fight, is a really tricky customer, and it'll be another difficult night for Charlie Edwards. But given what I've seen him do over the past couple of years, I, I do genuinely believe Charlie Edwards is a fighter that is just getting better and better the, the bigger the fights that he's in. And I think this is another case of him going in there to to prove a point and then hopefully going on to get unification fights in the division, which is, I think, what he needs now. I think at this stage of his career, rather than continuously just defending the WBC title for, say, another 18 months to two years... The depth of the flyweight division isn't great, so you need to really be going in there and cleaning up that division pretty quick if you're planning to to do something more in the sport, as in move up a weight, because that's potentially what could happen here. But for me, Charlie Edwards, one of the most improved fighters, I'd say, over the past 18 months. I'm really looking forward to seeing him against Aguilar, but I know it's going to be a little bit of a tricky night for him. It is going to be a tricky night for him. And as you, as you rightly mentioned, um, Aguilar, he, he uh, put in a good performance against Andrew Selby over in Mexico. Um, Andrew Selby, we were hoping that this would be the fight, wouldn't we? Sort of Andrew Selby and Charlie Edwards, unfortunately. And Andrew Selby just needs to get himself back on track. I believe he's, he's fighting again in September. So, you know, he, he gets a good couple of wins and he's back in there. So, um, I think Charlie's going to be tough for him. I think uh, I think he's he, the Mexicans, he, he's a tough fella. Um, he proved that. I mean, he's only ever lost one, which was his first ever fight in his career. And he's moved on to win 14 fights since then. Um, and, and he proved to be a decent fighter against uh, a good fighter in Andrew Selby. So um, I, I think Charlie will have enough. I do think he's improved a lot. Um, and I do, uh, I'm a lot like yourself, I'm really impressed with how he's developed since his first, or his one and only defeat. I thought, I thought the Rosales fight was, was really good considering what Rosales, um, Rosales did to um, Paddy Barnes. Um, so I was quite surprised that Edwards managed to do what he did to him. Um, and in Marino fight after, he improved again. And I, I expected the same thing. And I think Charlie Edwards will win his title and, and win quite, in the end, although there will be hairy times, I think he will come through and, and win quite comfortably. So another brilliant fight on this card as well is the Welsh battle, the Battle of Wales. Joe Cordini defending the British title against Gavin Gwynn in what is going to be a brilliant fight, a fight which I think is, is going a little bit under the radar and I think it's more so because of the fact that people don't really know who Gavin Gwynn is. The wider audience, the wider public don't know him but anybody that follows Eat Sleep Boxing Repeats channel will know that we We've been following him for a little while now and we've been looking at him as a fighter and looking at his progression through the ranks over the past 12 months and he's really put himself in the position to fight for this title and he's well deserved as well. And for Joe Cordina, it seemingly feels like Joe Cordina is... It looks like he's underrating him a little bit. It feels like he's overlooking Gwyn a little bit. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I'm getting the impression from social media and some of the stuff he puts out about the Gwyn fight that he's thinking it's going to be straightforward for him because he feels like Gavin Gwyn hasn't got anybody on his resume of note to talk about, which 
is is true to a degree. Uh, he's only got one fight on his record where you can honestly say uh, it was significant for him, and that's his Myron Mills fight in October of last year. Myron Mills was 12-0 at the time, Gavin Gwynn beating, but before that, you know, he'd obviously been fighting the journeyman, getting his apprenticeship up there, which is natural for a guy who's only had 11 fights. So this could be arguably a fight too soon for Gavin Gwynn. However, they feel in his camp that he's going to be able to go in there and do it. And let's not forget, Joe Cordine has only had nine fights as well, but because of his amateur pedigree and his Olympic background, this is why he's being fast-tracked in the division. And obviously, in nine fights, he's become the vac- he won the vacant Commonwealth title against Sean Dodd, and then he won the vacant British title against Andy Townend in his last fight. So the last two or three fights is really where he started to step up, and he is an absolute talent, and I'm not going to deny that at all. I think he's a talented fighter, I think he'll go on to, to do great things in the division, vision but I just don't like the fact that he seems to be overlooking a guy who could come in there with the desire and hunger to upset the apple cart on the night and obviously I haven't we haven't seen the best of Gavin Gwynn yet because we haven't seen him in against anybody at that level of Cordina's and the way Cordina's got to at the moment so this is obviously a big step up for him and we're only really going to find out on Saturday night whether it's the right time for Gavin Gwynn or whether it will just be a learning curve for him and Joe Cordina will continue his rise to ascension in the division. Yeah, I'm with you. I like Joe Cordina. He's a good talent and definitely a hot prospect. But yeah, if he is overlooking Gavin Gwynn, as you said, I've missed I've not seen that. Um, but if he is, then that, that, that's dangerous because obviously Gavin Gwynn's going to come in and he's going to want to, as you say, upset the apple cart and he's wanna, he wants to prove a point. He wants to to make a name for himself and, and beating someone like Joe Caldino is is a great way to do that and with, with Joe Caldino as well if he does go in that fight and he's, he's not 100% mentally which is which is a huge factor in the boxing ring. It's not always about your physical attributes. It's about what you've got in your head as well. And and if he did, if he does overlook Gavin Gwynn, then who knows? Maybe he, he's able to, to to produce a great night for himself and, and get the win. Um, on the other hand, I, I don't think he would do that. Fordina just sees Gavin Gwynn as, as a, a, a mark for him to progress, um, and I don't think he'll overlook him. Whether he sort of coming across that with social media, that you know, again, and that could be hit on his part. It could be mind games as well. Um, maybe he wants Gavin to come at him with everything, and and then eventually just get rid of him um, I don't know um, I, I think Cordina is good enough to win the fight as I've not seen too much of Gavin to be honest um, I'm looking at his resume as, as you say he's got the one fight on there um, that, that does stand out other than that um, no but again they're both early in their careers this is, this is great I mean you've got two undefeated fellas uh, 9-0 and 11-0 and they're ready to, to put it on and, and, and test their them to one another rather than sort of avoid each other Fuck up the journeyman. I think this is this is always great for both fighters. Win or lose, whoever comes out of it, they're going to learn a hell of a lot in this one fight. Yeah, agree. So another fight on the card then is the return of Joshua Buatzi facing off against Ryan Ford, which is billed as a WBA international light heavyweight title clash. So for Buatzi. I think this is another relatively straightforward win for him, if I'm being totally honest. And his opponent, Ryan Ford, has been in with world-level fighters. He has been in with Fedor Chudinov. He has been there with Avini Yildirim. But these were in the super middleweight division, so he has moved up to the light heavyweight division. And in his light heavyweight campaign so far, he's got one win and one loss on his record. In his last fight, he beat an undefeated prospect 8-0 and Serge Mikel. So... That is is 
you know, it gives it sort of a little bit of a merit to justify this fight taking place. But I think from a Buatzi standpoint, as a fan of Buatzi, you've got to think of he's getting all these different international tests now. And I think we've both spoke about this before. We feel Buatzi is, is a level above domestic already anyway. Obviously, him being uh, one of the greatest prospects to come out of that crop of Olympic fighters from 2016, the way he's been able to go in there and essentially clean up domestically by beating Liam Conroy earlier on this year, winning the British light heavyweight title. And then he went and fought Marco Antonio Perryban and beat Perryban earlier on this year on the undercard of Joshua Ruiz. That was a very good win for him. But again, this, these are guys that are moving up a weight. Perryban moved up a weight and so has Ryan Ford as well. So I do expect that Buatzi will probably be too much for him. And he's probably the, the, the best talent out of that crop that I've spoke about before. The likes of Cardina in there. You know, the, the, these are talented lads that are coming through and Boatsy for me before long will I'd say in the next 18 months we've got I would say we're going to see him fighting world level gatekeepers and the one thing we criticised Anthony Yard and his team for through last weekend's fight was that the lack of world level gatekeepers that he didn't fight going into the Kovalev fight and I hope with Boatsy they don't move him on too far past that level where they don't give him that experience. I think this is kind of what they're giving him now for me. You know, guys like Perry Ban, who'd been in with former world champions, guys like Brian Ford, who's also been in with former world champions. It's a good way of building that resume up before then they start to put him in with the bigger names who were once world champions that's where you need to take him through his career before you then push him onto world honours in the light heavyweight scene because that light heavyweight scene at the moment is buzzing absolutely buzzing with the fighters that we've got in the light heavyweight scene in the world so you don't want to push him on too far too quickly you want to give him that extended resume say another four or five fights I think before you start throwing him in with these these big names these world level gatekeepers and then maybe one or two and then when you get to sort of 18, 19 fights in you what you expect maybe a world title challenge and that's the way I want to see Boatsy's career go but this fight on Saturday he won't be overlooking it he's a consummate professional he speaks very well and I can see him doing uh, another great destruction job on Ryan Ford on Saturday yeah, I can as well. I think the one thing that jumped out at me was that Ryan Ford hasn't been stopped in his career so far. So, for me, they're probably, I'm guessing they're putting him in there just so Buratzi has to try and figure out a way of stopping this guy. Um, I think he wins it quite comfortably. Um, obviously, he's in light heavyweight division. Um, again, it's like the heavyweight, you know, one, one shot, uh, and it could change the whole complexion of the fight, but I can't see that happening. I think he's, he's, he's the forever solid de- a professional, isn't he, Joshua Barazzi? Uh, as you say, he's got a great way about him. I don't think he would overlook anybody, no matter who who it is in front of him. And I think Ryan Ford will be put in there for Barazzi to figure out a way of being able to stop a guy that hasn't been stopped before. Um, and to, if he can go on and do that, all right, it was he's been a super middleweight, granted, but um, even still, you know, that's that's that it's a good a good way for um, Barazzi to learn a bit more and as you say Ford's been in with some of the other guys that have been world champions so you know he's going to have a little bit of craftsmanship about him in the ring um, so good for Joshua it'd be a good test for him will he go the distance can he get rid of him if he goes the distance it's not a bad thing as well because he, he can look at any mistakes he's made and, and progress like we expect him to expect him to do because he really is a great talent he really is he's, he's definitely one that I've I've not stopped watching since the Olympics blazing people out in the Olympics and was unfortunate to pick up a bronze medal so I think Joshua gets the, gets the result but it's just a matter of will he stop him or will he go the distance and I think that is 
that's what Barazzi needs to figure out. Yeah, it's, there's, there's no reason why you can't get the round in, to be honest with you. As much as I say, I see him doing a destruction job on Ryan Ford, if he gets the rounds in, there's nothing wrong with that because the rounds are essentially what he what he needs to, to get himself up to the, the level. Again, I refer back to Anthony Yard from last weekend. Anthony Yard had not gone past, what, six, seven rounds before facing Kovalev and you could see how exhausted he was after he blew his tank in the eighth round. So if Barazzi's going in there and steadying himself and pacing himself for a fight this is what he needs this is exactly what he needs he needs to get more rounds under the belt for me so another great fight for the card so the card then is finished off with another fight recently added James Tennyson versus Atif Shafiq that's going to be for the vacant WBA international lightweight title we've got Savannah Marshall recently signed to matchroom boxing making her seventh professional fight on this card the return of Martin Joseph Ward Dalton Smith son of Grant Smith and then we've also got another prospect in Connor Coghill on the card so that makes up the big box office card for this weekend and it's not the only fight as per last weekend's preview episode we forgot to mention the big bill or very underpromoted bill in Mexico so we're not forgetting about this weekend's other significant fight which is the vacant WBA world super welterweight title between Erislandi Lara and brother of Canelo Ramon Alvarez fighting for that title this weekend so that is also happening over in the USA so a good one to check out actually because Erislandi Lara is a danger man he's a guy I've talked about for years people who I feel like, you know, he's a guy that's avoided by guys in that division. He's a guy that people don't really want to fight face because of how much of a tricky fighter he is. You know, we've got to remember this guy was originally, you know, he was born in Cuba. He now resides in Texas, but he's a Cuban, come from the Cuban background. And, you know, they're so well-schooled and, and well looked after. The guys he's been in the ring with, he's just ridiculous. The sort of amount of names he's been in the ring with. You know, the only the only guys he, he's lost to is Paul Williams, Saul Alvarez and Jarrett Hurd. And all by close split decisions. So for me, it just goes to show you that he gives anybody a great fight. Anybody a great fight. And I think this is another opportunity for him to, to obviously win a world title. We know he's been a world title champion before in that division, and it's just another opportunity for him to win a world title back. Now, he fought against Brian Carlos Castano in his last fight earlier on this year, and that was a split decision draw. Now, that was actually for the title which was held by Castano at the time, which seemingly seems to have been vacated by Castano, and now Castano, I don't know what's going on with him, but this vacant title is being contested between between Lara and Ramon Alvarez this weekend. So it's another good fight to check out for as well, I think. I think if you you know, you know love your boxing, you're hardcore boxing fans, and you've not already seen this fight happening over the weekend, go and check it out. It seems to be a, a pretty stacked bill, that particular bill in America. There's a lot of undefeated prospects on there, 22-0s, 21-0s, 12-13-0 fighters. So it's probably worth keeping an eye on because I'm sure we'll see some of these guys' names in our mouths in the future. So... That mainly sums up what's going on this weekend. Have you got any final thoughts then, Johnston, about the main fight that we've been speaking to about today, which is the Lomachenko versus Campbell fight? Um, just, just really looking forward to seeing Lomachenko over here. And, you know, we, we do put a show on. Um, Matt Johnston do, do a very good uh, job of, of of making it feel like a very big show. And I'm sure they will do the same. Um, and uh, that that's what I'm looking forward to really just watching the whole thing and, and, and watching uh, Lomachenko grace uh, the British ring 
Um, it's terrible, really, because I mean, obviously, I want Luke Campbell to win the fight. But you know, I think a lot of us are just you know, he is like a you know, Lemonchenko for me, he's like the Messi of football, the Ronaldo, you know, the bolt of athletics. He is that good, and I do believe he is as good as people say he is. I know, I know there are several people that that found. I don't know. They, they seem to be critical of him. Um, can't, I don't understand it. But um, yeah, I want Luke to win the fight. I would, it'd, be, it'd be amazing if I'm sitting there and Luke Campbell goes and pulls off this an unbelievable shock and, and, and beats Lomachenko. I mean, that would be unbelievable. But um, as I say, it really would be unbelievable. I can't see it happening. Um, and I'm just going to look forward to watching the other fights. Looking forward to Fury uh, um, and Povetkin as well. I think that's a good fight. I'm seeing Burak again, Cordino and Gwen. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, and then Charlie with Charlie Edwards as well so it's a good card before all the fights um, and just I hope that it lives up to its billing so if you've not already checked us out on social media go and find us at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. Go and let us know what you think of this particular preview episode. Give us your predictions. Tweet us. Let us know what you think is going to go down in this fight. Also, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the podcast. Listen to all the latest episodes from all the different series that we run. And if you've not subscribed to us already on Apple Podcasts or you're an Android user, you can go on to any good available podcasting app, which are ones like Spreaker, Stitcher, Player FM. You can even find us on Spotify. If you want to watch the YouTube video version of this podcast, you can do. It is only audio, mind you, but you can listen to us on there on Eat Sleep Boxing Repeats YouTube channel. Please go and let us know what you're thinking about all the episodes. We do really appreciate all the comments that people are throwing over to us because it really gives us the inspiration to continue doing what we're doing and all the support we get from you fans and you listeners. It's really, really appreciated. Well, this is it then, guys. Can Luke Campbell achieve greatness? Can he climb that ladder and climb that mountain in the lightweight division? Or is it going to be too much for, for the man who goes in against the biggest and best fighter in this generation at this moment in time against Vasily Lomachenko. Well, go and check it out. Skybox office this weekend, fight fans. Podcast Network.